Welcome to Manager Tools. Results and Retention, our 10th anniversary, part two. Here we go. Okay, Mark, so if I get what you said, certainly the, the manager's first responsibility is results, right? You gotta get right. results. If, not, if you don't have results, then you're, you're hosed, right? You can't do anything. So yep. I have the answer to that, which is I'm just gonna drive the heck out of my people. I'm just, I'm, I'll get results, all right? Um, and I'll be doing the right thing, right? I'll, I'll be getting results, my, my primary responsibility. Yeah. But we know that won't work. There were a lot of guys like you a long time ago. It was like me a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. And me too, unfortunately. Yeah. It's interesting. You said at the beginning, you know, it, it's, it's all about results. And there were some people who, who were listening, I'm sure they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not really true. Um, but guys, you want to be clear about something. Results is always first. What we're going to talk about here is second, not equal. And the reason why is because you can achieve results and have some other bad things happen. And as long as you achieve results, the organization continues. Now, I'm not suggesting it would be a good organization, but it, to some degree, if it's serving society and people are paying for its goods and services, it gets to continue. If you allow results to fail, but you take care of a bunch of other things, you won't continue on. And so the first responsibility of everyone in the organization within ethical boundaries is to ensure the continuation of the organization. Okay. That said, you're right, Mike. There's a downside to the necessity. It's an organizational necessity that results matter most. I think that's a key point. It, it is a necessity, right? That's, that's, yeah. that's, your, that's the point you're making. Yeah. And when management was first invented, results were all that managers were accountable for. And very quickly thereafter, labor unions formed. Right. For good reason. <laughs> because we had a bunch of people who left unfettered. They achieved results at the expense of the worker. And if you're not going to get in trouble for abusing workers when management didn't exist and they didn't know any better, and you are going to get rewarded for more production, even if it is at their expense, tyranny and despotism happen pretty quickly. And yet, we know better, of course, and one of my favorite comparisons to this is Stephen Covey talking about the importance of not killing the goose that lays the golden egg just to get to the last egg. And he calls it, in Seven Habits, he calls it balancing the P slash PC, production versus production capacity. And what early managers did was focus only on production and ignored production capacity. Yeah, so if you have a car and you want to go as fast as possible, you get up to 150 miles an hour and you do that for an hour and the engine blows. Yeah, you got to 150 miles an hour for yeah. for 10 minutes, but guess what? You're not going anywhere after that. Yeah, exactly. And what early managers did was focus only on production because they didn't care about production capacity. In fact, at that time, it's because labor was plentiful and cheap. But now we've since learned that even though labor may be plentiful and cheap, real value happens when labor gets smarter and costs come down and quality goes up at the same time. Without a balance or a break against more production, more results, production capacity often gets destroyed. And so organizations have learned that managers need a break against that drive only for results. The problem is that results become first and, and instead of just being first, it ends up being the only thing, right? Yeah, results aren't first, right? First ends up morphing into only because, hey, all I care about is results. And that's an overstatement of, look, I care about results. Results are the most important thing. Mm -hmm. 
And you have to do that ethically, and you have to do it with respect and so on. But a high D boss slips and says, all I care about is results. You know, if you have to boil it down to one thing, it's all about results. Rah, rah, rah. While he chomps on his cigar in the caricature. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that guy means it, but a lot of us w might say, all I care about is results, when in fact what we mean is, all I care is about uh, is results within a framework of other things, including the second most important thing. Organizations know that results without retention leads to less results in the long term. Modern, effectively managed organizations measure the ability of a manager to retain employees secondarily after results. You think executives look at that for their manager? You think they actually pay attention to retention? When you sit around and we look at people's baseball cards, we look at how successful were they? Did they do the things we asked them to do? And how good are the people that have worked for them? And oftentimes, it's an assumption that if we're looking at somebody who's really good, retention is already there. We would not look at somebody who burns somebody out. What we're looking for is how well did the people who they retained did. Now, clearly, if you're not retaining anybody, then you'll score a big fat zero in that on your baseball card. Essentially, retention is one of those things we look at, and then we go further and say, okay, how much better does he or she make people? So you've got to ensure that managers going after results don't destroy the value the organization has put into the employee in terms of hiring costs and time and compensation and development. Yeah, and by the way, I just want to say it's, it's in today's information-based economy, it's more important than it was a long time ago, right? In, in a factory, it's a lot easier to retain somebody who, you know, is sticking a bolt into a, an assembly. Um, it's a lot easier to replace somebody like that than it is today's workers where information and knowledge is so much more important. Yeah, it's, it's physical capital versus mental and intellectual capital. That's right. Um, and physical capital can be had fairly easily. And that was all that was needed many years ago. And in fact, jobs were designed for that. But we live in an increasingly, com increasingly complex world. And so obviously physical capital is sometimes necessary, but rarely a distinguishing criteria. And you're right, executives are looking at it constantly. And a lot of people don't know this about the difference between managerial life and executive life. Executives are responsible for looking at and thinking about the long term. But most managers aren't. Most managers are thinking about operating in the short term. Results are usually measured now. We can't measure next year's results. And so it's easy for managers to focus on results because that's what executives kind of expect them to do. And employee losses may only affect future results. So uh, the, the uneducated manager thinks, well, I can handle hiring some more people. Most people probably wouldn't say that today, um, but there was a long period of time where the best companies in the world were made best because they figured out that it's expensive to replace people. Other companies hadn't figured that out. They were driving for results and they'd say, well, we're not measuring retention and we can get more people and so on. And they wondered why there was a gradual separating of the, the slope of the line between 1%, 2%, 3%, 4%, 5% growth. And the companies that had high retention rates um, often had the best growth numbers. Yeah. So. What this boils down to really, of course, is what can we do at a high level to balance our results effort with high retention? And this is where it gets interesting because most people don't understand this. Most people say, what are the systems about retention? 
and I, I often joke is there are no systems. We don't need no stinking systems. The best way to achieve high retention numbers, percentages, is to retain each individual. That's how you do it. In fact, retention and the measurement of it assures managerial longevity and job security because the company can't retain people. You can't put in place enough systems to retain any one individual. And too many managers today mistakenly assume that the organization does the primary work on retention. The salaries have to be high enough. And, and by the way, you might think, oh, I don't know that I think that. No, you do. Many of you do. Then you say to yourself, oh, well, you know, we don't, we don't pay as well as somebody else. Or, you know, other people have better benefits, right? Those are all standard things. Well, hard to, hard to keep a guy here. He's got a higher offer somewhere else. That happens everywhere. That's so funny. I love when people say that because it's like I'm at company A. Oh, the guy leaves for company B and he makes more money. And so people hear that two or three times and they say B pays more money than A. Well, you know, that's bad. Well, no, folks, they're reimbursing them. They're essentially compensating them for their goodwill and they're essentially benefiting in the transition from internal salary complexion, uh, compression. Here's the problem. When people at B come to A, they get a raise too. So the people at B are saying the same thing. And they're both wrong in the sense that the company and salary or benefits or workplace systems are the things that drive retention. Right. Folks think of HR as being the, the, the organization driving retention. And we know that not to be the case. It's not HR. Yeah. Just because HR measures it and reports it doesn't mean they're responsible for it. Now, a lot of times they try to do it. But an HR that is magically good cannot overcome managers who don't understand that their secondary responsibility is to keep people. There's no way the organization, as an organization, in terms of putting in place systems, policies, practices, processes, there's no way that organization can do enough to maximize retention. The organization's tools, your company's tools, are far too standardized, and therefore they're not tailored to every individual. And actually, I hate to say this, guys, but there are some systems, many of them, implemented, not most, but they're, they're essentially blunt interest in, instruments, and many of them are implemented to help retention, and they make the problem worse and not better. Because people say there's a, a, well, he got something that I didn't get, and that makes me feel bad. And if the manager's not mitigating that and explaining why certain processes, policy systems, and practices are unequally distributed in terms of the, the, what would be considered a benefit, then the person begins to hate the manager as a representative of the company, and they don't like the company because the company's not working hard enough. Um, but the company cannot work hard enough to retain everybody. And, and guys, even if retention overall is high. That is never the result of an organizational system. No organizational system can be exceptionally good at retaining people. It always boils down to the manager. And look, the best companies in the world, those organizations expect to achieve high overall retention by helping managers tailor the organizational systems right? The culture experience to each individual. You're in the middle of the organization, helping the organization speak to that individual contributor. Or if you're a director, speak to that manager and explain things. That's why we've said before, 
never forward an email onto your directs just with FYI. Say, hey, here's an email below about X from my boss, and here's what it mean for, means for us. And if you have somebody in your team who's in a completely unique role or different role, and it's not really that that message doesn't apply to her, you would take her aside and say, hey, uh, the message I sent to everybody doesn't apply as much to you. It's a system that relates to X and you work in area Y. So here's what this means for you. I want you to understand it. That's a huge part of management. I talk about managers being the military crest of an organization. I probably can't describe this very well verbally, but if the company is a little bit like a house, a picture of a house, which is like a rectangle um, with a triangle on top of it, okay? And it's an oversimplification, but on a hill, guys, uh, hills are not straight up on all sides. There are many hills, and you've been on them, where if you stand at the top, you can't see the bottom because the hill looking at it from outside is uh, convex. Um, the slope of the hill changes. You can see the ground surrounding the, the hill maybe a mile or two out, but you can't see right at the base, right? There could be something sitting at the base of it and you just, and you won't know it. Yeah. And so the military crest of a hill, if you think about a house, a long rectangular house with a standard sloped roof, if you're standing at the top, you can't see the base of the house right where the dirt or the, the grass or whatever runs into the house. Well, if it weren't a house and it were a hill, that's where the troops would be that would be attacking you. The military crest of a hill is down where down the edge of the, the slope to the point where you can see the bottom. And in fact, in some hills, depending upon how they're, they're shaped, you could have a couple of military crests. The point being, if you're standing on the top of the house, at the top of the hill, you can't defend it until the, the people who are coming up the side of the house get to the roof line because you can't see them and you can't shoot them. And managers represent the military crest of an organization. Yeah, and we're not suggesting you shoot your people, by the way. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. But look, the people at the top can't know what the people at the bottom are doing. They're thinking about the future and things that happen outside the organization. People all the time say to me, oh, the CEO seems distant. Well, some CEOs, some people, some individual contributors are naturally distant, not friendly, not warm, and so on. And sometimes the intellect it takes doesn't happen to be in the body of someone who's just a naturally pleasant person. It's unlikely that your CEO is a complete jerk, but often the intelligence, um, the foresight, the particular industry skills means that your CEO may not be the sweetest person in the world to talk to. And people complain about that. Well, the CEO spends a lot of time thinking about things outside the organization, and there's no way she's going to know 45,000 people. Now, the CEO is constantly thinking about the future and things outside the company, so then when he or she meets somebody internally, they're not that, you know, they don't really connect that well. They're probably pretty skilled at asking you questions. And to defend the CEO a little bit, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to know all your people personally because he doesn't have the bandwidth. He wants you to know them. You're in the middle of the company. You're at the military crest. You're supposed to create a special relationship with the people who report to you. If you're a director, you're supposed to create a great relationship with your managers, and then you're supposed to teach your managers how to create a great relationship with them. And we might have some suggestions about how you can do that um, 
that we've proved over and over again work. And you're in the middle. And that's your job. Your job is to tailor systems and experiences to everybody. That's right, because the, the organization is made of a bunch of individuals, and what it takes to retain individuals is different for every individual. And there's no way the CEO knows what what that is. And so the necessity of the manager, the, the necessity of middle management, right, to provide that connection between the CEO's view at the very top and the bottom of the hill, right? The middle manager manager at the military crest. Right, because the CEO can't see the people at the bottom, and frankly, he or she shouldn't. And too many managers think that every person is the company, which is true in one way, but that the company has a relationship with each individual. And the fact is, the company would say, yes, we do, through you. And there are 10 of them, and there's only one of you. And no offense, there have been many cases where I've seen a situation where 10 directs were miserable with one manager, and it was easier to fire the manager or move him or her away than to get rid of the 10 people because the 10 people in total do more work than the one manager. But part of the reason the managerial job is so hard is that companies expect so much of them and then underinvest in them. In fact, I'm pretty sure that Wendy or Danny a couple of months ago shared with me an article which said that that frontline manager role is the most underinvested in role in corporations today. Um, and if the company's going to expect high retention numbers and they're expect you to do it and then they're not going to give you the tools to do it they're not going to develop you and train you and so on that's hard in fact that's part of why manager tools exist so your job is to retain people we know of no simpler way even though it ends up being complex ultimately in all cases we know of no simpler way to achieve high retention than to focus on individual retention and that means developing a relationship with your directs, talking to them about their performance, pushing them to ask for more, and also trusting them enough to delegate downwards. And I just think too many people might miss this. And it's funny to think that this is our 10-year anniversary cast, and we've never said this in its own cast. Um, we shy away from these topics because it tends to be more of a principle topic rather than an actionable topic. But I think Part of the reason we're doing it now is because we want people to understand why they're doing what they're doing. And surely at this point, those people who don't like the fact that we go on and on about a point to make sure everybody understands the why, so they can then apply it in their situation if the situation's a little different than the examples that we use, those people have already stopped listening. And that's okay. Um, we want you to understand what to do. We're going to suggest a way how to do it so that you can start on it and then ultimately you'll modify it to make that system work most effectively from you, for you. And you've got to know why. You've just got to know why. And to be clear, Mark, for those who haven't listened for a long time, we're referring to our Trinity, right? The whole basis of the Trinity, why you came up with it, is to achieve those two things, is to get results while retaining your people. Yeah, and the trinity, of course, is one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, and delegation. Those are the four tools that Manager Tools has created to serve the four underlying behaviors that managers who are distinctly good at their job master, and that is knowing your people, thus one-on-ones, talking about performance, thus our feedback model, asking for more, which is coaching, and push work down, which is delegation. Those four tools if you will be one standard deviation better than the standard than the average manager you will achieve two standard deviations better results than the average manager 
That's what we've shown. And you've got to know both. You've got to know results from retention. The best analogy that I have for achieving a high organizational retention number is high annual sales numbers. Um, and I don't mean for the company. I, well, they are for the company. But look, organizations set a goal for total sales. Okay, The actions they take to get a high annual sales number is not to go get a big number. Organizations get high annual sales by making many individual sales. Okay, You don't say to yourself when you're a salesperson, I have a million dollar quota this year, and then on your first day say, wow, I didn't find any million dollar sales. No, you make ten and $20,000 sales. The reason why your company will have high retention is because you as a manager retain all your people. And you'd be surprised. Uh, perhaps you wouldn't. The number of times I've sat in meetings where we're going over managerial talent and executives are saying, well, we're a little worried about John. We're a little worried about Bob over here. And then you look at the retention numbers and they stand out. They clearly stand out. Now, is it harder to measure retention among 10 people? And could one person, if you have 10 directs, and could one person significantly affect your, your numbers? Yes. And over the long haul, the best managers will retain more of their people. But you can't wait for the end of the year. You have to work on retaining constantly. And by the way, you hear us talking about retaining. You don't hear us talking about turnover. When managers start thinking about turnover, they think about reacting to losing people. Retention is the wellness program that keeps people from getting sick. Turnover, worrying about turnover, is having a really good hospital plan. But unfortunately, a lot of people leave even when you try your best to save them, when you're only working on saving them at the very end when turnover becomes an issue. And that's why smart managers don't really think about turnover. They think about retaining, and they think about a steady drip, drip, drip of retention efforts, including trust and openness and performance communications and development and understanding the individual and so on. Those managers do that day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, so they don't have to worry about turnover. They know they're not going to keep everybody. On the other hand, they do it day-to-day. And the manager who's constantly trying to save people is the manager who didn't dot his I's and cross his T's along the way. There you go. Yeah. Pretty simple. Really, Mike. I mean, I feel like I have 50,000 ideas for how you can retain people, but ultimately it depends on the individual and on your relationship. And folks, if you're not doing one-on-ones now and you think you know your people, I would encourage you to think again. And of course, we have previous guidance on how you can tell whether or not you know your people. Do the direct relationship asset test and ask yourself, uh, write down a list of all the names of the people on your team, your direct reports, not your skips, just your directs. And then right next to those names, write their spouses and kids' names. Yeah. If I had one suggestion for people who are new to us and who haven't looked at our Trinity stuff, go to the website, www.manager-tools.com, and find the Manager Basics, the basics under podcast. And if you want a place to start, that's it right there. Yep. Simple. And that makes this cast actionable. There you go. Go listen to the podcast. All right, good. Let me summarize. Guys, our first ever cast in two parts. Sorry about that. But these are important principles. Uh, this is our first cast about first principles. And we'll be revisiting core principles periodically in the uh, in the next 10 or 20 years. The bottom line is the two most important thing managers do are number one, results, and number two, retention. Okay? Those are your watchwords. 
Highly effective managers achieve results, whatever the organization asks them to do. And if you don't know what to do, go find out. And they do so in a way that's sustainable, to use a word that is rightly popular right now, so that your team stays. Actually, your team doesn't stay. Individuals on your team stay. And that allows you to achieve future results more cheaply. And no offense, I don't mean cheaply, less expensively, let's call it that. And in order to get results from retention, you got to know what your results are and you got to know who your people are as individuals. There you go. Okay, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, partner. Anytime. We'll see you later. Thanks, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week. Meantime, have a great one, folks. This podcast was produced by Manager Tools. Manager Tools creates actionable management guidance every single week. To receive additional materials via our newsletter and to find products for situations you may face as a manager or professional, go to www.manager-tools.com. Search for Manager Tools on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you.